This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So the week before that, of course, we had Joe McGee, right? Yes, now I'm getting my weeks in order. And, uh, and then uh, the couple weeks before that, we, Dad had started the series called Secret Place Prayer, right? And which is kind of appropriate as we go into our 21 days of, uh, of prayer here for, uh, for the month of uh, August. So with this in mind, um, I want to start a little bit of a different way here. And y'all are going to have to bear with me because I'm just, I'm just praying that, uh, that this works. But we're actually going to have a, uh, a special guest. Y'all all right with that? And we're just going to set him right up here on top of this uh, table. And um, let's see if we can... Uh, See if we can get an answer. Nothing? I'm going to call you right back. Okay. Nah, we got you. We got you. You got me now? Yeah. And now we have a poor connection. There we go. <laughs> Folks, uh, before we lose this completely, <laughs> uh, let me introduce you to my good friend. This is Dr. Rob Brewer. Everybody say, hi, Dr. Rob. We have a hey guys. Rotate them here a little bit. See a little bit of the crowd. Y'all can wave at wave at Dr. Rob there a little bit. So, uh, how are y'all? Uh, here I'll put you on my beautiful wife. There you go. There she is. Um, I, I was trying to I was trying to think of how to keep this uh, introduction just as uh, as brief as possible, and I don't I don't think it's possible. But okay. Uh, uh, Sean and I go back with uh, Robin Jill Brewer uh, about. Can you believe it's been about 22 years? Yeah, that's right. And uh, we, were at, we were at Christ for the Nations in Dallas, and, um, and Rob Brewer was brought on staff as the assistant director of, uh, of the youth ministry there at CF&I. And a short time later, uh, Sean and I were brought on staff as well, and we were actually there to replace a, uh, we brought them to replace a married couple, which you see how one thing leads to another. Are you there? Yeah. I've lost I can you hear for you. a no, no, no worries. I'm still introducing you. You don't have to say anything. So, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, um, back, in the, back in the day at Christ for the Nations, uh, we got to know uh, Robin Jewell. Well, actually, back in the day, it was um, working side by side with Shauna, and, and it was Rob that would call me into his office, and he'd say, hey, come in here real quick, and he'd say, uh, you know, I, I really think that Shauna likes you. And I'd be like, no, no, she, no way. I don't have a chance in the world with her. And he'd be like, yes, she does. And then one day I was talking to another girl, and he called me in his office. He said, come here, come here. He came in and said, did you see what she looked? And you were talking to that other girl. I think she likes you. And I was like, man, one thing leads to another, and guess what? <laughs> 20 years later, I think she still likes me. So, so, uh, so anyway, um, today, Rob and Jill, actually, Dr. Rob, he got his doctorate that late last year, right, end of, end of last year. And from Texas A&M, and he is now uh, one of the pastors on staff at Gateway Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And uh, many of you know of Gateway because of uh, Pastor Robert Morris. Our leaders have read The Blessed Life, and, and many of you have, and, and been through the Free Indeed series and different things like that. And, and, uh, and obviously, you know, we do a lot of their worship and different things, and Rob and his wife Jill are both part of the worship team as well. And he just happened to have this Sunday off, which is awesome for us. So, uh, yes. so anyway, I, I talk to Rob every, uh, and by the way, yes, his name is Rob, and he spells it with two B's, which is okay, because not everyone is perfect. So, so, uh, so anyway, um, 
I, I wanted to bring him in and let him talk to you guys for just a minute, and we'll just pray that this, uh, this uh, internet connection stays good here. But we, we talk every month or two, and he was telling me back earlier in the year, he said that he had an awesome opportunity coming up, and he was about to leave for California for a day. And, uh, and so I wanted to give him just a minute, this will tie into the message here in a moment, but I want him to share for just a moment what, about this opportunity and, and how that's kind of uh, affected him and, and everything else. So, brother, why don't, you, why don't you take it away? Well, thanks for that great introduction. I really do appreciate it. Hello, everyone. It's good to see you. Hope you're doing well today. I, uh, I had an opportunity back in May to visit with uh, uh, Pastor Jack Hayford. He's one of the apostolic elders at Gateway Church, and in my opinion, he's one of the uh, foundational leaders of, of the modern church. Uh, much of our uh, contemporary theology is, is drawn from what, what Pastor Jack and his team have put together over the years. And so I had an opportunity to go spend uh, a day with him in May, and uh, I asked him uh, three major questions, but one of the for, for this setting, the most important question that I asked him was this, Pastor Jack, what is the, what's the biggest issue facing the church over the next decade? What, and, and what can we do about it? And, and he said, well, there's, there's two things that I see. Number one, it's that people are moving away from the word of God as, as the foundation for their life. And the second thing he said is this, we've taken a very, uh, uh, casual atmosphere, a casual approach to prayer. And he spent, he spent the next hour talking about prayer and the importance of prayer. And it really began to um, impact me in the sense that I realized that even the way that I was praying was a, a kind of a, an, an, empty, an empty way to prayer on it. Pray. It, it was almost it was almost selfish. Uh, I just kept praying for the needs in my life rather than deeply interceding and, and doing it in a way that that was um, a constant life of prayer for me. So I started changing a few things in uh, in just the way that that uh, that I pray, and uh, I found myself moving to this idea that every movement of my day, every, every new, uh, if I'm stepping into a meeting or if I'm about to step out to lunch or whatever it's going to be, that in that movement, I wanna just vocalize a really brief prayer. It's not like I'm intensely going after it, but, but just as I'm moving into, into this next meeting, Lord, help me with this next meeting. Lord, would you, would you be with me, give me strength? And I vocalize it with my mouth, not just, not just in, my, in my mind, but with my, with my mouth, because there's something incredibly transformative that happens when when we utilize our voices. Like right now, as I'm speaking, the words coming out of my mouth are actually transforming the environment around me. It's, it's shaping the air. It's moving the air, the atoms. Are you there? <laughs> We're here. Give it just a second. We got poor connection. Hopefully we'll come back here in a second. I think we can still hear you. Are you guys you. there? We, we can still hear you. Can you hear us? So I don't, I don't know where things cut off. You, you were talking about how our words are shaping the atoms in the air and such. Yeah, yeah. So, so as, as I speak, the words that come out of my mouth, it, it forms uh, waves in the air, and it actually transforms the environment around me. And, and as I speak, 
I am speaking words of transformation. So why, why not uh, add the, the authority and the power of prayer to that? So I, I just, I began to do that and really began to see a change in the way that I relate and connect to God and the way that, that I was experiencing the authority and the power of heaven in, uh, in my daily life. And it's, it's fired up my, uh, my personal prayer times. It's fired up my personal devotional life. And uh, I, I, I can't say that I do it 100% of the time, uh, nonstop, but it is definitely something that, that I am consistently and constantly engaged in. Awesome. Now, in that, I, I'll also tell you guys that, um, that Rob has a, a podcast I encourage you guys to listen to called Mentoring Deep. And if you listen to that, you can get this whole story, really, uh, as far as this conversation with Jack Hayford. And like you said, Jack Hayford, I mean, what an awesome uh, experience, what an awesome um, opportunity that was. I, I said something to my dad about it, and he ended up listening to the podcast, and, and he, 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 refers to, he refers to Jack Hayford as one of the generals of the faith, and, uh, you know, just because of his deep respect of, for uh, Dr. Um, uh, Jack Hayford. But I, I wanted to ask you one more question, Rob, before you, before you yeah. left. I, as you talked about this, you had mentioned that... Um, that Jack Hayford had said uh, that there was, you know, three obstacles facing the church. It was being adrift from the word, uh, drifting toward an entertaining style of worship and that lack of prayer. But then you went on and you had made a comment in the podcast. You had said, if we don't elevate our perspective of prayer and our passion for prayer, then we'll have serious trouble overcoming the challenges of worship and the word. And if you can take just a second, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? If you can expound on that for just a second. Well, I think prayer is, is the thread that weaves those two things together. Uh, prayer is, is our dialogue with God. It is the way we connect with heaven. Just like I connect with my wife through a conversation. Uh, it's, it's the words that come out of my mouth. It's not just the letters that I've written in the past to her that connect me to her, uh, nor the songs that we sing together that connect me to her. It's the conversations we have because the conversations are real life. They are now and they are here in the moment. So we can, we need to be in the word and we need to deepen our worship. Those two things are critically important. But if we neglect the weight of prayer, if we, if we choose to say prayer is not that important and, and I can more tangibly experience God by, by uh, these worship experiences, I feel God more in these worship experiences than I do in prayer, uh, or I feel God more when, when I uh, 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 read the word, those are good. You need to be in the word and you need to be, you need to be worshiping. But prayer is, is the conversational aspect that will elevate both of those environments, both, of, both the word and worship, so that we experience who God is in a more full and complete manner. And we get him into our hearts in, in, a, in a more thoroughly uh, uh, embedded way that really begins to change who we are, not just, not just what we think, but who we are. It changes, it transforms uh, our, our spiritual DNA, and, and we relate to God in a completely different way. So I think, I think prayer is the foundational aspect for both word and worship. Awesome. Well, brother, I appreciate you. Thanks for taking a, a few minutes of your time and schedule to, to talk to us. So, My pleasure. Love you, man. Hey, love Do you well. guys, too. We'll talk to you soon. We'll see you. Okay. Bless you guys. Bye. All right. Well, let me stop this right quick. 
And we are going to continue. Actually, Guest Network should be, uh, should be coming back up. Hopefully you got that, Charles. And you guys should have a, a note sheet in your service guide so you can follow along. And, um, and you can also, you'll be able to log into uh, the Bible app and uh, follow from there as well. So, gonna, I'm going to go back for a minute and talk about the importance of, uh, I'm going to start just by talking about the importance of prayer. Um, and that's really, the very first week, that's something my, my dad talked about. He talked about why do we pray. And, you know, it's basically, you know, we've got the idea that simply that prayer is, is vital in the life of a believer. But why do we pray? And he gave a couple of things. He gave four examples. Uh, I guess that was three or four weeks ago. He said, prayer keeps us from entering into temptation. Prayer is our way to receive from God. Prayer is God's will for you. And prayer is setting your life in order. And I want to continue to build on that a little bit because I understand very much that, that very few Christians today, very few believers actually have a prayer life. Most, most believers, their communication with God um, takes place on Sunday morning during praise and worship. And, and really, if we're ever going to do anything great for God, we've got to begin to develop a life of prayer. But we all have these different ideas that come to mind when we think of prayer. Now, some of us think of, um, some of, us think of deep intercession and spending hours and hours you know, seeking God and that kind of thing. And that's not really what I'm talking about. God, let me just start with this. Why do we need to pray? I'm going to give you four things quickly. The first one is God commanded it. God commanded that we pray. It's not just a good idea. It's not something just for intercessors. And look, I'm not talking about spending hours and hours in prayer. You're right. You may not be called to be an intercessor per se, but you are called to intercede on behalf of your family and, and on behalf of your church and on behalf of your government. But the question is, you know, what does that look like? God still commands us to pray. If we're going to follow the Lord, if we're going to be obedient to him, we've got to begin to develop our life of prayer. And I'm going to give you a lot of scripture this morning, and I'm, I didn't even put most of it in your notes. I, um, a very little of it will actually even be on the screen. I'm just going to fly through real quick. But the whole idea that God commanded it. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Romans 12.12 says, in joyful, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Guys, these things weren't written to pastors, okay? This was written to the church in general. This was for the people. Philippians 4.6, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Colossians 4.2, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful, watchful and thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.7 tells us to pray continually. Matthew 4.5.44, who, who, who's speaking here? I'll give you a hint. It's in red in your Bible. Matthew 4.44 says, pray for those who persecute you. Any of us ever had somebody persecute us before? Our command is to be in prayer for them. Um, Matthew 6.6 6 says, but when you pray, didn't say if you pray, right? When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father who is in private. And then, of course, Matthew 6.9, we know because of the Lord's Prayer, and it, Jesus starts it with, this is how you should pray. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, right? And, and I believe in the next few weeks, my dad's actually going to break down the Lord's Prayer um, for us and such as, as he continues in on this. But prayer is simply, prayer is an act of obedience before God. God calls us to pray, and we've got to respond to that. So firstly, God commanded it. Secondly, it was important to Jesus. To me, this is another one of those, these are the two biggest things. If God commanded it and Jesus did it, you know what? We, we, we need to do it. Um, I'm going to give you some more scripture. Matthew 14, 23. After he had dismissed them, he is talking about Jesus. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. 
Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went over to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5.16, but Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places, the places by himself, and prayed. Uh, Luke 6.12, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 18.1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Now, you would say, well, yeah, this is Jesus, right? But wouldn't you think, as part of the Trinity, if there was anybody that didn't need to pray, it would have been this guy? I mean, seriously. He was setting an example for us. And really, you know, Jesus was in constant communication with God. We see that in the Lord. As a matter of fact, you realize there was times, and this came to me this morning, you know when he went to raise Lazarus from the dead? And he stopped and he prayed. He didn't have to do that. You know, it actually, look in your Bible. It actually says that he, he came there before Lazarus' tomb and he stopped and he prayed. And he said, Father, I know that you hear me. You always do. But the only reason I'm praying right now is because there's people standing around me and I want them to know that it was you that sent me. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. In other words, he says, I know I don't really need to pray about this, but I'm saying this for those standing around me. Lazarus, come forth. He was walking in such communion with God that he knew what God's will was. He knew what he was supposed to do in a moment because he already had that foundation of prayer in his life. Does that make sense? Every person who has ever been effective in their service for God has been a person who has learned how to develop a lifestyle of prayer. I, got to, I was just thinking about Solomon praying for wisdom. I was thinking about Ezra and Elijah, Daniel, uh, David, Nehemiah. Paul, you know, all, all these folks, if you look, you see all these examples through Scripture where they're stopping and they are praying, spending time with God. It's, if it's important to Jesus, it needs to be important to us. So God commanded it. Jesus did it. Number three is, it's our direct connection to God. A couple more Scriptures here. Isaiah 40, 29-31 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. How do we renew our strength in the Lord? It's not just by thinking about Him. We've got to begin to develop that relationship with Him. And the form of communication that we have, our communication with God, I know with each other we pick up the phone or we send a text message. We don't have that opportunity with God. Our only direct communication with God is prayer, right? Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. In other words, Jesus came as a man. He walked through the same things that we walked through, right? But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How do we approach the throne of grace? Do what? Boldly, yes. And we approach him in prayer, right? Second Chronicles 7.14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I will heal their land. I think we need some healing in our land. The Bible tells us that we're to have a relationship with God and there's no relationship without communication what Rob Ruhr was just saying there's there's no commun- there, there's no relationship without communication right what kind of what kind of relationship would you have with your spouse if you never spoke the only way to be a healthy christian is commune with god through prayer so that's number 3 it's our direct connection to god number 4 in prayer is the power to bring change matthew 20, 21 22 says whatever 
things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe you've received it, it shall be yours. John 14, 13 and 14. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. You know, it gets me, and I'm going to spend a minute on this, because people come in for, people come in for counseling, and marriage, and parenting, and finances, and health, and having all kinds of issues and stuff. And, and you can ask my dad, one of the first things he'll ask people is, are you spending time with the Lord? I guarantee you, 90% of the time, it's like, well, no, I just don't really have time. Well, you have time for your marriage to fall apart. You have time so your kids be going off the deep end. You have time off work because you lost your job. Are you praying about that? Well, well. Why is it that we turn to every other source before we turn to God and we seek Him in prayer in a situation? It should be the first thing. We should, you know, instead of exhausting every other means, why, why don't we go to God first? And trust me, prayer moves heaven. It moves heaven and earth. I mean, think about Abraham praying and interceding on behalf of Sodom. Think about how many times Moses saved God's people because he stopped and he prayed. I was thinking about, if you remember um, back a number of weeks back, I did, um, I guess it was April, I did this, the couple-part series on um, uh, patience, patience and process. Sorry, those P words mixed up. Patience and process. And, uh, and we were talking in there, and I, I wanted to go into this little thing again uh, in Jeremiah. If you remember, we were talking about this during that time, how um, Israel had been forsaken by God, or had forsaken God, I'm sorry, and God allowed them to be... Um, overtaken by the Babylonians. They were taken in captivity by the Babylonians, right? And so um, a short time goes by, and of course, as always happened, you know, God's people cried out to them, and you know, like we do sometimes, God, I promise you'll get me out of this. I'll, I'll follow you all the days of my life, right? And so then you've got one of the prophets stands up, Hananiah stands up, and says, thus saith the Lord, you will be delivered within two years. And then Jeremiah steps in and goes, you're lying. That's not what God said. You're going to die. God was dead in two months, right? And then God gave Jeremiah a word. So God's people are sitting here in captivity. They had just heard this word that they're going to be delivered in two months. Another prophet stands up and says, you're lying, and gives a word from God. And he says in Jeremiah 29, I'm just going to read a few of these here, uh, 4 through 7. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The God of Israel says to all the captives he exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply and do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I've sent you to, into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For Babylon. Talk about a heathen place. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Guys, that is so relevant today so relevant today in where we live. We stand here as believers and we say, you know, it's true that we're not of this kingdom. We're not of this world. We're of a higher kingdom, right? We're sons and daughters of the king. However, <laughs> we're here. And the Lord's saying, build homes and plan to stay right here in the United States of America where things seem to be just going to hell in a handbasket. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Find spouses. Work for the peace and prosperity of where you live. Pray for your land. Its welfare will determine yours. Is that not where we find ourselves today? I mean, you know what's really sad, what I noticed a couple of days ago? 
I have seen flags at half-mast for weeks and weeks. They're not going back up because we're having things happen multiple times a week. Multiple shootings. They're shooting in Texas yesterday. The flag's staying at half-mast. Many of us are watching the news and we're panicking over the future of our country and our family and the church and we're going on social media and we're bad-mouthing everybody and anybody. We're bad-mouthing our government and our leaders and we think the world is over because it's evil. Well, it's always been evil. And there's racism. There's always been racism. There's hatred. There's always been hatred. People are murdering one another. Yep. They're murdering one another. Yep. It's true, isn't it? So what do we do? Go pray? No, we go pack up supplies and get ready for the apocalypse, right? <laughs> we get as much water as we can get, and we get, we get food packs together, and, and we stockpile ammo and and, you know, and I, I see Christians on TV, and all they're, all they're doing is selling packs of food. And say, Look, there's nothing wrong. Um, I, I mean, George was telling me the other day that they found ISIS has got plans to take out power plants and stuff and power, trying to take out power to the U.S. You know, I, I believe that's true. I believe that's true. And there's nothing wrong with having water. There's nothing wrong with having food. Nothing wrong with having a gun. But, you know, if your basis in all that is fear, and we're not praying for our nation in which we live, we're not seeking God and relying on Him, then we've totally missed it. We need to start back over again and go back to the basics. The power to change things is in our hands. So when we hear about some tragedy and something that happened, we need to lift up our voices in prayer. And that means that sometimes we're lifting up our, prayer, our voices in prayer all the time. It seems like we are here, are here lately. But instead, it seems that right now Christians are griping, complaining, getting stressed out, and stressing everybody out, else out by you know, talking about all this negative stuff all the time. You want to change your nation? You pray. You want to change your church? I heard somebody the other day talking about that. Well, church just isn't really my thing. I don't think it's the way God designed it to be. And, you know, there's so much, you know, disorder and, and backbiting and, you know, nobody's authentic. And, you know, it's like, seriously, are you praying for the church? Are you praying? Well, yeah, I mean... Maybe you ought to be praying for the church. I mean, it is the bride of Christ. Might be a good thing. Rather than bad-mouthing the church, maybe we ought to be praying for it. Want to see change in your church? Pray. Want to see change in your spouse? (laughs) Pray. (laughs) What you'll find probably is that God will end up changing you more than anything else. Want to change your kids? Pray. Want to change your boss? Want to change your workplace? Pray. Change yourself? Pray. We have to pray. We've got to stand we got to believe and we got to trust God. And then what? I just start over. <laughs> Pray, <laughs> believe, stand, and trust God. And then just start over again. Never-ending cycle, right? You will see change. God's Word promises it. Now, let me tell you, it may not always occur in the way that you thought it would. Sometimes we think we know what's best. And so we pray that God bails us out and that it looks just like this. <laughs> and God knows what's best. Sometimes the way he comes through and for us and, and saves us in a moment is, looks completely different than we thought it would, but that's all right. He promises that our prayers can move mountains. So why don't we use it? Why don't we do it? So back to what Jack Hayford said for a minute. 
He said one of the biggest obstacles facing the church today is a lack of prayer. And I truly believe that's part of the reason that the world, we're seeing that the church has so little impact in the world right now. I believe if the church would get together and folks would actually begin to pray and seek God about the situations and the things that we're facing as a nation and as a planet, I believe the level of influence that the church has could skyrocket. It could increase exponentially. But we're not praying. And so the church is having much, much less influence than it could have in the earth today. If we're going to be effective in our service to God, we have to learn to pray. And I want to transition here, and I just want to take the next few minutes, because once again, I know we all have a little bit different idea of what prayer is and what it means, and, um, and I know that there's a very good chance that over half of us in this room have never had any kind of uh, consistent time of prayer with God in our life. And I understand, there, there is no condemnation. I'm just coming to sit now and expressing this and saying, look, we've got to begin to seek God if we want to see change in our families, if we want to see change in the church, if we want to see change in our nation and in the world. And so what I want to do is, as I generally always do, is I want to get real, I want to get real practical with this for a minute and talk about what prayer should look like. Because, you know, we're sitting here talking about a quiet time, and, and I'm thinking about the things that people have asked me, because, you know, Sean and I go through these things in class 201. If you haven't gone through class 201, you need to do that, because we cover some of the basics, the foundations of, of our relationship with God. And so, so people say things like, when should I pray? Well, there are those that will argue with you that there's many examples in the Bible of people getting up early and praying first thing in the morning. And you know what? I think that's a great thing because there's nothing better than starting your day in prayer. I mean, dedicating your day to God and, and just kind of setting a precedence from the moment you wake up and moving forward. So I think prayer first thing in the morning is a great thing. But if you're one of those, kind of like me, that doesn't wake up till 10 or 11 o'clock, okay, I wake up, but I'm sleepwalking, okay? <laughs> I'm at work until about 11 o'clock, I I look like a zombie, okay? It may not be the best time for you. So what we always tell people when they ask us, well, when should I pray? Whenever you're at your best. Whenever you can give God the best of your day. And some of you who are night owls, man, seek the Lord at night. Go before him. Take a few minutes and, and talk to him. People ask, how long should I pray? And we'll talk about this more in a minute, but I, we always encourage people, start with a small achievable goal. Don't decide, I'm going to begin to have a prayer life, and I'm going to, I'm going to start praying for an hour a day. Well, I've done that before. I, I remember doing that early on and, and making it through about 30 minutes and falling asleep, or making it through a day or two and then feeling totally guilty because I missed the next few after that. You know what I mean? Start with something manageable. Give God 15 minutes of your time, good, quiet, quality minutes. How should I start? Well, I, we always encourage people, you know, I, I don't know if you're like me, but my mind is moving at a million miles an hour. So I always encourage people, put on a worship song. Put on something where you can just kind of separate yourself from everything else that's going on and allow yourself to quiet your mind and just sing a song to the Lord for a minute. Clear your thoughts. Get focused. Does that make sense? It's also a good time when you're starting if, you know, to, to take a minute and repent of wrongs and bad attitudes and stuff that, you know, that you've done since the last time that, that you and he spoke. Stop and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry for cutting that person off yesterday and, and, you know, giving them that ugly look and for the way I spoke to my spouse and, you know, ask you to forgive me. So we, we come in before his presence and have that quiet time and, and, and we don't feel like we have things, you know, between us, things hindering. Um, 
People ask, you know, well, what do I pray? And this is one of those funny questions because, you know, when you first start praying, it, it, you find it to be kind of difficult sometimes, kind of, a, kind of at a loss for words. The reality is there's thousands of things to pray for, aren't there? So obviously, you know, we've already talked about the government, you know, the federal government, our state government, our county government, our, our city government. You know, we obviously we need to be praying for the church, for the pastors, leaders, for godly decisions, for, for people to come to Christ and, and that kind of thing, um, that the church will grow and gain influence. We need to pray for our families, for our spouses, our children, uh, our extended family. We need to pray for the needs of others. We need to um, speak the armor of God over our lives, as well as that's something I do, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. We need to pray for our needs. Um, we need to ask God to, to give us direction and, and different things like that. And I would say also in the midst of it, it's also important that we stop and we give God the opportunity to speak as well. We like to fill up that time, and kind of like he was saying a minute ago, we, we find sometimes that all we're doing is we're praying our needs. And, you know, that's great, but if the only time you spoke to your spouse or your significant other is when you needed something, that wouldn't go over very well, right? Once again, that's not a relationship. Um, and I, I think it's also important that we take a few minutes and spend time in the Bible and starting in, start in the New Testament or get a Bible reading plan and, and pray before you begin to read the Bible. Some people say the Bible's hard to understand. Well, get you one that's easier to understand. Get you, know, get you a paraphrase or something to start with so at least you can get started somewhere and pray and say, God, I'm going I'm to get in and read the Bible for a minute. I ask that you would just speak to me through this as I, as I give you the next few minutes here and just begin to go through and begin to, begin to spend time in his word. And a couple things I want to mention in regards to this. When you begin, if you begin to do that and just take 10 or 15 minutes every day to try and spend with God, the enemy's going to come in and, and he's going he's to try, try and attack. He's going to try and stop it. And many times, one thing i found is, is, is pride is one of the enemy's easiest avenues to, to, uh, to get into our lives. And, you know, for a long time, I felt like less than enough. I felt like my, my prayers sometimes were, were, were stupid and ineffective because you know, I, I didn't, I, it felt like every other person in the church was getting up at 4.30 in the morning and praying, and they were getting these great words from God every day, and, you know, and I was forgetting half the time. I wasn't making the time, and I felt pitiful. Does that make sense? And sometimes we can do that, especially when we really start spending time with God, and we start developing that relationship, and you ever, I, I know people don't mean to, but, you know, it used to, it used to mess with me, because people come up and be like, oh, little brother, you know, in my quiet time today, in my first hour, God showed me this and this and this, and I got this word from him, and, and then he'll look at you and go, well, what's the Lord speaking to you, brother? And you're going, uh, he loves me, you know, you know or, or whatever it is, or, or maybe, you know, you meant to spend time with the Lord that day, but, you know, your kid was vomiting, and you're picking up throw up, and you're going, I'm pitiful, I didn't spend time with God, and we've got to stop that. We can't ever feel bad. We don't need to feel guilty when we miss it. We need that consistency. We do need it. But there is no condemnation. And, you know, an example, I, I believe it was actually Rob Brewer I was talking to back a few months ago. We've been talking through this whole prayer thing uh, whenever we talk. And, and I was talking about some of those things about consistency and stuff. And he was telling me, he, he just said to me, do you spend quality time with your wife every day? And I said, well, unfortunately, no. You know, sometimes... You know, we just pass each other, and we have different things going on, and, you know, we meet up at the end of the night, and, you know, I'm usually in bed first. I, I'm in bed, and she comes in, and, you know, and, and it's just, you look at each other and kiss goodnight, and, you know, we'll, we'll connect tomorrow, right? Happens sometimes. And not the way it should be, and it doesn't need to be that way often because it will begin to affect your relationship, right? But it happens. And that's what he said. He said, look, God understands, you went through your day and nothing went right and everything's going this way and this way and you're going running 90 miles an hour and you never got to spend that quality time with them. 
You don't lose sleep over it. You don't try and keep your, you know, worn out self awake trying to, trying to make something happen. Say, God, we're going to connect tomorrow. And go to sleep and get up and do it. You just start again. We don't allow condemnation to eat us up. No biggie. We've got to jump back in there and spend time with him. Another thing I'll mention is, say you do start with 15 minutes, or maybe you, maybe you pray for an hour. It's very easy for that to become routine in our lives. Those of you who have had a quiet time know what I mean, where you've, you've kind of got a prayer list and things you're going to pray for, and, and so it gets to where you're just hitting point after point after point after point, and you're done. And it just becomes this routine, and, and you're just going through the motions. So what do we do? I always encourage folks to, to mix things up a little bit, but, um, but I, I kind of want to hit a different, little different direction in this for a minute. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, um, actually verse 17, says, Never stop praying. New King James says, pray without ceasing. And the Message Bible says, um, pray all the time. And this is kind of what he began to hit in this. That's something that he and I have been discussing some about involving God in our conversation all day long. And I think that at times that this is important and it can break up the monotony some of, of that 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. We've got to have that quiet time that we spend where we set ourselves apart. We see that Jesus did that. And we've got to have that. But I think that we've got to keep that relationship going because if that's the only place we meet with God, if that's the only time we meet with Him, once again, what kind of relationship is that? He's with us all the time. And I was just going to give the example. I, I was talking to the senior high youth guys about this a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I was going through this. and in, in my senior year in high school, I really began to... Um, I really kind of began to get my life in order. I was going through discipleship program, and, and I, I just decided that I really had to serve God in my life and, and, and uh, that, you know, that he had some things for me to do uh, before the end. You know, you, know you, you get in high school or college, and, and all of a sudden the future is kind of daunting, and you think, oh, no, I've, I've got to make it on my own now. And I was kind of at that place, and so I, the first thing I did was kind of really began to get my life together with the Lord. And so um, I, I remember... I, man, high school, my senior year was, what, 25 years ago or something. That stuff all begins to get kind of fuzzy. But, but there's one day I remember very distinctly, and I was, I was walking to school, and I remember just kind of looking up, and it was just, a, it was just a, kind of a cool morning. It was a beautiful day, and I remember just kind of saying that and kind of saying it to the Lord, man, what a, what a beautiful day. And suddenly I remember just kind of feeling the presence of the Lord around me. And I realized it, it just kind of dawned on me, you know what, I'm really talking to him. And he's really here with me. And so I was trying to figure out. I'm walking to school, and I'm, and I'm figuring this thing out. And so what I did was I began, to, I began to picture in my mind. It helped me. I began to picture in my mind God walking beside me. And because I knew he was really there, and it helped me to actually use my imagination a little bit and picture him walking beside me. And we walked to school together. And I just found myself talking like I would talk to somebody who was really walking beside me. And I thought, this is awesome. This is what I need to do. And so I remember that day walking in the, the gym in my high school. I'd always go in the back doors of the gym, and my homeroom was up at the top of the stairs. And I remember going up those steps, and almost, by the time I got there, I could almost hear footsteps beside me. And that's the way I walked out my senior year after that. I started, I started carrying my Bible every day, and I kept that conversation with God going all day long. And I would, you know, see stuff, and I, you know, and obviously when I was around other people, I'd be talking under my breath. I didn't want to be committed or something, but you know, but you know, 
it was important. I, I realized that I needed to keep him involved in my everyday conversation. And I was praying at that point because I, I was wondering what it meant to hear God's voice. And I was beginning to think maybe I was, but you know, you can fool yourself into thinking, well, that's just me. And I remember one day I was walking home from school, back a number of weeks later, I was walking home from school, I had almost left the school grounds, and I walked around this piece of trash, and I was walking on, and I felt inside me, hey, go pick that up. And I was like, what? And I turned around, and I felt like it was the Lord saying, pick up that piece of trash. And inside of me, I would have thought, you know what, I was a teenager, who cares about that piece of trash on the ground, Right? So, because I convinced myself at times, the enemy would speak to me and say, you're not really hearing from God. But what kind of imaginary friend would I have come up with that would have told me to pick up the trash? <laughs> right? And I turned around, and I remember picking up this piece of trash off the ground and walking off and talking to the Lord the rest of the way home. And I realized he wants to be involved in our everyday life. He cares about everything. So, maybe you don't get your 15 minutes or your 30 minutes in for the day. Talk to them in the car. Talk to them at work. I read something yesterday, Wowzers. Um, a quote Rick Warren said, you will never grow a relationship with God by just attending church once a week or, having, or even just having a daily quiet time. Friendship with God is built by sharing all of your life experiences with Him. Daily devotional time with God is important, but God wants more than your 15 minutes in your schedule. He wants to be included in every activity, every conversation, every problem, and every thought. You can carry a conscious, open-ended conversation with him throughout the day, talking with him about whatever you're doing or thinking at that moment. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing means conversing with God while shopping, while driving, working, and performing any other everyday task. A common misconception is that spending time with God means being all alone with him. Of course, as Jesus modeled, you need to spend time alone with God, but that's only a fraction of our waking hours. Everything you do can be spending time with God if he's invited to be a part of it and you stay aware of his presence. The key to friendship with God is not changing what you do, but changing your attitude toward what you do. What you normally do for yourself, you begin, you begin doing for God, whether it's eating, bathing, working, relaxing, or even just taking out the trash. Today, we often feel that we must get away from our daily routine in order to worship God, but that is only because we haven't learned to practice his presence all the time. This is God's idea. In Eden, worship was not an an event to attend, but a perpetual attitude. Adam and Eve were in constant communion with God. Since God is with you all the time, no place is closer to God than the place where you are right now. We've got to become cognizant of the fact that he is there, and we need to keep him involved in all the areas and aspects of our life. And look, as I said a minute ago, sometimes our car is the best place. During the week, sometimes I'll spend a few hours in the car. Man, I, I tell you what, the main things I do is I play worship and pray or listen to a podcast, listen to, you know, listen to, I, I actually use the YouVersion app and, and listen to my Bible reading and different things like that. Use your time wisely. You get, we have time that's just wasted. Sitting in the car, use it. Use that time and talk to the Lord. If we're going to be effective in our service for God, then we've got to learn to pray and we've got to learn to communicate with Him on a daily basis we got to close out. Let's, let's bow our heads. First and foremost, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never dedicated your life to him, then all of this is kind of irrelevant anyway. 
You can have that direct communion, direct communication with God, but you've you've got to you've got to start somewhere. And where we start is by dedicating our life to Him, giving our life to Jesus, saying, "Lord, be 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 the leader, be the commander, be the Lord of my life, lead and guide my steps." And making that effort to follow him and do things his way. And if you've never done that, that's the first step. If you're sitting here today and you realize that he's not really Lord of your life right now, it's not about a prayer you prayed. Is he Lord of your life right now? Are you allowing him to lead you and to guide you? Are you allowing him to be Lord? If not, We'll pray a prayer together here in just a moment. You can dedicate your life to him. And the Bible says you become a new creation. All things are made new. New creature. You're brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And you can have that constant communication with the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. He cares about you. We learn in children's church that he knows the number of hairs on our heads. He does. He knows everything about us. And he's madly in love with us. And he wants a little of our time. And he's promised us a lot more than we could ever promise him. If that's you and you would say, you know what, I, I need to dedicate my life to the Lord today. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you step out or anything. But that's you and you would say, I need to get things right with Jesus this morning. Lift your hand real quick and let me see. Yeah. Amen. Who else? Who else would say, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus today? That's three. Is there anybody else that would say, I'm going to get my life right with God today? Four. Anybody else that say, I need Jesus? We're going to pray together. The Bible says all you got to do is mean this. Even if you didn't raise your hand, all you got to do is pray it and mean it with all your heart. And things begin to change. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you for sending Jesus because I need Jesus. I've lived my life for myself. I've done things on my own strength, but no more. I ask you to forgive me for the way I've lived my life, and I dedicate my life to Jesus today. I believe that Jesus came, and he lived a perfect life, and he laid his life down in my place. But he didn't stay in that tomb. Lord, you rose from the dead. And now you're seated at the right hand of the Father. I ask you, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Lead me and guide me. I will follow you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to do everything that you've called me to do. I'm yours from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We conclude here in a minute and our prayer partners come up. If you prayed that, I'm going to ask you to come up and meet with one of our prayer partners and just share with them for a minute about the decision that you made and let them give you a little direction and pray for you. But let me ask one more question. And I, I, you know what? I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to say bow your heads. Who, in you would, who of you in here would say, you know what? I need to step up my prayer life a little bit. Come on. Wow. Probably 80%. Let's just, let's just pray for just a moment. And just begin to tell the Lord. Just, just begin to make your own personal commitment. Let's, let's bow our heads now. Let's, 
not be distracted for just a moment as, as we're concluding. Just begin to make your own personal commitment to God in the midst of this. Don't make an unreasonable commitment. Make something a goal that's achievable, something that you can go after. God, we are sorry for forsaking you once again for trying to do things in our own strength. We recognize that prayer is the avenue to communication with you. It's, it is our direct connection. We recognize the power for the change that we so desperately need in our lives and in our communities and in our church and in our nation. The power is found in prayer. God, as we all speak kind of our personal commitments and the changes that we need to make, I pray, Lord, you would surround us by godly people and godly examples that would encourage us and point us in the right direction and, and lead us and bring accountability. I pray, Lord, that as each one here makes fresh commitments to seek you, I pray, Lord, that during those times that they would hear your voice more clearly than ever before in Jesus' name. We come against the enemy that would, that would in the midst of this, that would try and, that would try and booby trap it from the get-go. We just rebuke the enemy and we command him to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that as we seek you, what we find is you were right there all along. You never went anywhere. Lord, as we pray for our government, as we pray for our families, as we pray for our church, as we pray for our communities, we know there's going to be change because your word promises we lift up our government and we just pray for our leaders and we call them blessed in Jesus' name, surrounded by godly leaders, pointing them in the right direction. Lord, that you would use us to help change the direction of this nation in Jesus' name. God, for our families, that we would seek you, that our children would follow you and seek you all the days of their life in Jesus' name, never swaying to the left or to the right. God, we pray for the church, that you would bind us together in unity, not just Church of the Harvest, but every church that declares Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life. Bring us together, Lord, that we can truly make the impact in the world that you're wanting to make today. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.